Hello and welcome. This is our first episode of 2022, and I have a New Year's wish for you. My wish for you as you begin this next chapter is I hope you get to fail and flounder this year. I hope that your year contains some epic face plants. I hope you get to feel ridiculous and wrong some days. Because this, <laughs> this path of making room for a little more failure and a little more fumbling in our lives is actually a necessary part of any consciously created life. So I'll explain a little bit more about what I mean by that. And I'm so glad that you're here with me. This is the Bold as Love podcast with April Boyd. And I'm a psychotherapist and coach and somebody that loves to have conversations about how we're setting boundaries in our lives, how we're speaking up with the people that we love, with the people that challenge us, and how we're really taking responsibility for the kind of energy that we bring into the room and the kind of standards that we tolerate, both for how we treat ourselves and how we let other people treat us. So thank you so much for being a part of this conversation with me today. If you are listening for the first time, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And if you've been listening for a while, thank you so very much for being a part of building this circle with me. I really appreciate it. So failure gets such a bad rap, right? We kind of recoil even just when we think of the word failure. Our culture really seems to have this very distorted idea around what failure actually means and what's it about, right? We treat it like it's somehow a personal shortcoming or huge character flaw or that you've made some kind of big, terrible mistake in your life and that that is the only way that failure occurs, right? If, if there's been some character deflect and defect in you that has created that, right? But I don't actually believe that that's true at all. I think that failure is really just a requirement, a built-in part of the process of any new thing that we're trying to build or experience or do in our lives. Anytime that we are stepping into unfamiliar and uncertain territory, whether you're entering into a new dating relationship or even just starting to create an online profile, whether you're looking at getting a new job, whether you're looking at starting a business, whether you're thinking about making a move, anytime we think about creating change in our life, I would encourage you to consider the idea of inviting in a little bit more tolerance for the idea of some parts of that going badly without turning it into a toxic story about what it means about you that things did not work out. Because inevitably, when we're building something new, there's going to be maybe parts of that that click and parts of that that fall apart. There's going to be parts of that that go well and parts of that that don't. There's going to be parts of that that maybe you're really good at and parts of that that you kind of just have to be brave enough to do this new thing a bit badly because isn't that just a part of being a beginner at something new and different? You're not very good at it yet, 
right? And even in those instances that you might have had some natural talent and natural ability, you're still going to be better after years of practice than you are the first bit that you're trying it. And so this is really the inevitable truth of our lives. So the goal is not necessarily instant winning or instant success. I think that kind of idea is super dysfunctional and toxic. The idea is, is that we embrace the process. We embrace the learning curve. And we know that those moments when we fail and fall and it goes badly are just a natural and inevitable part of trying anything new. Some people go through their whole lives trying to avoid failure because they've never actually stepped back to think about why, you know, am I so averse to this? Why does this feel like such a terrible thing? They've never really challenged some of the cultural ideas or maybe family ideas from their upbringing about what makes failure bad. So they just kind of treat it like it's somehow a defect about them. And then they build a life inside their comfort zones, right next to whatever it is that their friends and family think is safe and easy and right. And they never veer away from that. They stay in bad marriages, even though it's incredibly not good for them and maybe not even good for their kids, but because they don't want the embarrassment of a big divorce. They stay in jobs that they hate because they're too scared for that next thing of what if it doesn't work out, right? And they stay in situations that they just know aren't good for them because pivoting, changing their mind, making a new plan feels like it's kind of that flip side of the coin of failure. And really, It is just a necessary part of evolution and change. Because when you really think about it, okay, I don't want to have a failed marriage by leaving and divorcing my partner, but you're going to stay in a situation with somebody who constantly cheats on you and isn't sorry, and that somehow feels like winning, (laughs) that somehow feels like success. Right? So without really realizing it, when we don't start to challenge some of our aversions to the idea of failure, we can end up really fencing ourselves into situations that don't make any sense and really don't serve you. Some people spend their whole lives shutting down and stuffing down, often with snacks or online shopping or wine, their true desires their true needs, and their true self. Because taking a few steps towards that might mean breaking a commitment with something in the past. Taking a few steps towards cultivating or trying out that new thing that they want might mean that they risk doing it badly. Might mean that their friends and family don't really get it. And that in and of itself can trigger so much shame and embarrassment, right? When people are like, why would you want to do that? Aren't you too old for this? You shouldn't even be putting your time into that. You should be thinking about this or this or this instead. And then all of a sudden, those little comments just open up the trap doors from underneath you. And you're in this spiral of feeling like a failure and feeling full of shame. 
And this is the crux of it, right? We end up feeling like a failure instead of just recognizing failure is just a built-in part of the human experience. It's a requirement. Some of my favorite failures that I've had as I just kind of quickly think back on it is I dropped out of school during my first year of university. That, you know, still sometimes feels a little bit uncomfortable for me at times, even though I went on to get three degrees after that. But that first one was messy and painful and not in alignment with me in lots of ways. My first website was absolutely hideous. I had hired somebody to do it for me and they absolutely followed all of my requests and all of my suggestions. And it turned out to be the most ugly thing I've ever seen. And I had to get the whole thing redone again. It was a total failure. But if I had never made that one website and been willing to do it badly, I think I kept it for like a year actually when I think about it because it was enough just to get me going. And, you know, as you've maybe heard me say on past episodes, even with this podcast name, uh, I've since changed the name since beginning this podcast. I've changed the cover art. None of that feels perfect for me. It just kind of was enough to get me going, even still. So if we wait for it to be perfect, we're never going to take any steps towards what we want. And now it's been almost a year since I've been doing this podcast. And if I had been afraid of making a change later, if I had been afraid of not having the perfect, if I'd waited till I had the perfect name or perfect cover art, I never would have created this. My first therapy client peed on my couch. Yes, you heard that right. (laughs) One of my other unfortunate failures was my first therapy client peed on my couch. That's a true story and something that they absolutely don't prepare you for in school, no no matter how many degrees you have. And so, you know, we could certainly look at these moments where we go, oh my goodness, this was terrible. Oh my goodness, I didn't handle this the way that I think I should have. Oh my goodness, maybe I made this mistake and this mistake that contributed to that not going well in that situation. But we just kind of have to step instead into the idea of what did I learn here and how can I do this better next time? What did I learn and how can I do this better next time? And for those of you that maybe grew up in achievement-loving households, households that really you know, put a lot of value on the gold stars and the high grades or the sports achievements or whatever that is, this can be really tricky stuff to untangle from. And I remember speaking to somebody one time and they were telling me how their daughter, uh, who was young at the time, she was maybe like 10, was like devastated, crying, 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 really upset because she had lost a sporting match that she was participating in. And, you know, the family were all trying to make her feel better, but they were saying things like, don't worry, you'll win next time. That other person wasn't that fast. You were just having a little bit of an off day. You know, you'll get it next time. And it kind of just made me tense, you know, as I was listening to this, because I don't think that's the goal. I think we're setting ourselves up for both being wrong, (laughs) right? And we're kind of setting up this idea that being on the pedestal is the top pedestal. 
that that is the best thing we could possibly reach for and nothing else really matters, right? It's like success is is still the only conversation that's allowed to be on the table. Winning was still the only conversation that was happening in that room, right? We'll talk about winning next time. It's okay you didn't win this time because you'll win next time. And here's the hard truth. Maybe she'll win next time and maybe she won't. So you've now put yourself in a position of possibly lying to her. But two, what a missed opportunity to talk about the bigger picture. Are you improving, right? Is this a sport that you're wanting to, you know, commit to getting better and better at? Did you have fun today, right? Are you learning new skills? What did you learn through this race or through this loss, right? So this whole process of that curiosity and inquiry that actually allows us to get better, that actually allows us to look objectively at whatever missteps or mistakes we might have made that maybe did contribute to our loss, right? Maybe maybe you stayed up too late the night before, right? And now that affected your performance the next day. Instead of being able to look objectively at were there any things we need to tweak for next time, instead we just grip harder to the golden ring. No, we'll get there next time. So much pressure, so much pressure without any kind of useful map. So often uh, households that really encourage success set their kids up for a bit of a hard time because they don't necessarily offer a map of what it is that helps them get there besides just working harder, right? Or grinding it out or wanting it more. What a missed opportunity. Sarah Blakely You've potentially heard of her. She is the founder of Spanx, the women's undergarment company. And she, I heard this talk that she was doing one time, and she said that at the end of every school day, her dad would say to her, so what did you fail at today? And then they would tell their stories of things that they tried that didn't go well, (laughs) times when they shot and missed. And she was very clear in that really the point of that was to teach the path, right? The point of that was to essentially equip the children with being comfortable being outside their comfort zones, with knowing that failure is just an inevitable part of trying something new or becoming really good at something, a requirement for both. And if we look at just finances as a measure of success, Sarah Blakely is worth $1.2 billion is her estimated worth. And so while that's not the only measure of success, that certainly is quite the accomplishment. And so it's so interesting to hear her perspectives on how failure, on her relationship with failure, welcoming it in, allowing it to be there, knowing that it's going to be there. So I would love to hear what stood out from you from this episode. If you found it useful, please take a screenshot and share it and tag me on Instagram. That helps me get my work out into the ears of other people that could benefit from this. And I really love doing these episodes. So it supports me in continuing to do that. 
Thank you so much for listening. Oh, and I should let you know, the Bold as Love Bootcamp has started. So if you did not get a chance to join this round, of course, spaces are full for this round and we're already in progress. But shoot me a message and I'll make sure that you get the details the next time that this is offered. All right. Take care. Bye bye.